And now it is time to talk magical cards, BJ. I know That's you, what I've been waiting for. I know. Uh, I know you've been chomping at the bit of this, so we're going to get on there. I haven't but really been waiting too long, but you know what? I've been waiting all day, too long. You've been all late. week. You've been waiting over a week because That's true. you wanted me to uh, talk about this before you even got started. Uh, like when the, the spoilers were still slowly coming out, and you wanted to say how awesome certain cards were, and I had to argue with you about it. Of course. But not only is it going to be you and myself, we've got Robert from Mana Screwed and Men of Magic. How you doing, Robert? I'm doing great, guys. How's everything going? Doing uh, pretty good. Very good, Robert. Thanks for coming on. Of course, Man of Screwed and Men of Magic, part of all the great podcasts you can get at MTG, uh, mtgcast.com, uh, which, of course, MTG Magic the Gathering. You get it there, and there are lots of great shows on there uh, talking about the game that Rev and I have spent too much time, money, Dude, over heartache. F- over 15 years for me. More than that for you, right? I mean, oh, you're like 80 I, I, years you old. You know what? So. Yeah, 80 years old. I, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I, was ba- I was back in the day, uh, Falling Empires is when I got in, and, and 30 and revised. Oh, okay, yeah. I yeah. started in, in Ice Age. Robert, when did you start? I actually started at the little after the dark. Yeah, uh, the there you go. The problem was I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with the investment back then, so... That's, yeah, you lose out on all the fun cards that are worth mega bucks now. Yeah, that's kind of how I am now. I mean, uh, but back in the day, it was all about trying to get the cheap decks. I remember buying the packs of Fallen Empires for ninety nine cents because, hey, they're cheaper. I can get more cards, right? And then you find yeah, out that there's a reason. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, tomorrow is going to be the pre release for M twelve, the new core set, uh, which is kind of the introductory set for everyone to get into the game of Magic. Yeah, the core set is a good set for someone to get started, and and if you've never played the game before. It's a fun game where basically it's two or more players and you all have 20 points and then using these cards as if they were weapons or you can also summon some of these cards to uh, awesome att- creatures. Uh, uh, creatures to attack your opponent to reduce their life points from 20 to hopefully zero. And uh, there's thousands of cards that actually can change some of the basic rules depending on what the card does. <laughs> it makes for a great, a great variation and it's, a, you know, the people have called it a cross between chess and Dungeons and Dragons kind of a situation, oh, wow. uh, and and it really is a fun game to play because there's always new cards. They come out with m- lots of sets each year, and really, you know, force you to think as they come out with different cards that can be comboed together to really make your opponents cry and scream. and And so the core set's always a fun thing they do every once in a while, and that's why we have uh, Robert on. Robert, I, what we want to start off with, we have a thing called My Three, and mm-hmm. the Rev has picked out his three top Magic cards from the core set. I've got mine, but I thought we'd go to you first. Uh, again, Robert from Man of Screwed and Men of Magic, the podcast. So, Robert, what's looking good to you in the core set that you think, oh, these are cards that people are going to play and spend a lot of money on? Well, there's one card I really like right away, and that's Chandra's Phoenix. And the yeah. reason why is, yes. is if you play Magic from the beginning, the e- one of the easiest decks to learn is a a simple deck called Red Deck Wins. It's a philosophy of <laughs> BJ's just... deck. But yeah, you know, Robert's By the only the deck I play, and I've actually been playing for a while, but it is the bonehead deck to play. You don't need to think a whole lot. <laughs> you you just make sure that every card does something to your opponent, does damage, and this thing basically, it has evasion, it has flying, and it comes back the minute you cast that lightning bolt, or in this set, you cast shock. It's, it's <laughs> or a recursion, which is huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, anything to get quick damage... Always helps, and in this game, uh, Chandra Phoenix to me is absolutely uh, a must. A must in in red deck wins, and especially now with this time period in between, where M12 all the way back to M11 is still legal in tournament play, to be able to have lightning bolts and all, you have so many. Two one to two drop cards that do a ton of damage. How long will that last? Yeah, Robert. How long does it last that you can play M12 and M11 together? When does that get cut off? 
Innistrad comes out. Yep, exactly, when Innistrad comes out. And if you haven't seen uh, Chandra's Phoenix, it's a 2-2 it's a creature for a 2-red and a colorless, and it flies, it has haste, and, and like uh, Robert said, whenever an opponent is dealt damage by an instant or sorcery spell you control, by a, or, or by or you control, or by a red planeswalker you control, you get to bring Chandra's Phoenix back to your hand. So that is pretty amazing for a deck, like you said, that sometimes can sputter out because it just runs out of cards. Yeah. So it gives it card advantage, which is awesome. What else you got for us, Robert? Uh, actually, another one in the same kind of mode uh, is Gideon's Avenger. It's one and two white, which is which is a problem with the casting cost, but and it is vulnerable to every removal spell on the planet. But if he sticks, he can become a problem because every time something gets tapped by your opponent, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and quickly. If you've played any of the, of the Duels of the Planeswalkers online, you get that thing out and it, the computer starts tapping, and this thing just becomes out of control quick. Gets out of hand really fast. Yeah, this is the, yeah. You're absolutely right. This is this is a card that will draw the attention <laughs> of your <laughs> opponent very quickly. Uh, and and if you're a red deck, you've got to kill that thing right away because he could get to a point where he'd be too big yeah. for you to be able to stop him. Now is he a knight? He is a human soldier, dang oh, okay, it. dang it. I was hoping because uh, M11 last year had the Knight Exemplar, which uh, gave all knights uh, uh, plus one, plus one, but indestructibility. So I was thinking maybe you could fit with that, but uh, I guess not. I guess they're well, going with the soldier theme this time. You may have an answer to that, Rev, and it's one of my three favorite cards, but oh. I will, I'll will i tell you that. There may be an answer to that, but all uh, right. let's get Robert's third pick here. Yeah, Robert, what do you got for a third? I'm going to go a little off the track with an uncommon, and the reason why is is because, as, we've, as you know, and we just went through until the banning, we went through equipment <laughs> nightmares. Yes. And the card that has a solution for that is Master Thief. It's two and two blue. It Basically what it does is it can take equipment from your opponent as long as it stays in play or artifacts. It's just it's such a swinging card. People still are playing Batterskull. You will still see Sword and Fire Ice. This is a great card to be able to go out there and take something and basically make your opponent in a world hurt quickly. You know, it's a funny thing, too, is uh, I play in, in Commander. I have a Rexiel deck, and basically the whole premise around it is steal your stuff because your stuff is cooler than mine, and this guy fits in with that perfectly. I like, You know, I like Robert's top three. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed because uh, where the heck was I with Chandra's Phoenix? I should have been there for that, and Gideon's Avenger. I, and, when, and when Robert hears my third, yeah, he and you gonna, are going to Oh, gonna I've already gotten nuts about you with yeah. this stupid thing. I can't so. wait to talk to Robert about it, but what's your my three? Go ahead, Rev. Okay, well, we'll start off with uh, the the big one. Uh, I mean, uh, Robert talked about uh, Chandra's Phoenix. Well, I'm talking about the big woman herself, uh, Chandra the Firebrand. Uh, she's a planeswalker, starts off with three loyalty. Uh, she's got three colorless and one red mana, and that's a big thing in her casting cost because this is the first time that a planeswalker has only had one colored mana symbol in their uh, in their casting cost. Yeah, how Robert, how is that? That is pretty epic, and do you think that is uh, kind of a game changer for, for this planeswalker? What they're, I think what they're trying to do is because of the last set of Chandra's that have come out that have not been played. Because they're not good. Well, well what they're trying to do is offer a person that plays a multicolored deck to maybe be able to splash this in to be able to use its effects. Now, there have been a lot of debate over this. There's a lot of people uh, like Mike Flores who absolutely love this card, and then there's a lot of people... Uh, like my co-host on Hardcast, uh, Tristan Gregson from Channel Fireball, he thinks it's horrible. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting. And I think the true judgment of it will be as soon as the first event comes out, and if it's in Red Deck Wins or if it's a, a hybrid deck 
uh, a green red deck, if it shows up in there and it's effective, well, that'll change everything. So what's your number two, Rev? My number two uh, is going along with the red idea, and again, this is one of those things that will most likely be in any red deck wins deck, uh, is Grim Lavamancer. It's a one casting cost, one one, so for one red man, you get a one one, but you can uh, tap him, uh, remove two cards from your, uh, exile two cards from your graveyard, and uh, do two damage to a creature or player, which for red is, again, one of those uh, extra things where you need a little bit more damage to push through, or maybe you need to kill those annoying little two toughness guys. You've got something right there that's available to get you the win right away. All right, what's your number three? Uh, Robert, no argument from Robert over there from Man from Manuscript. <laughs> not at all. Uh, no, 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 not at all. Uh, uh, the, my last one, again, is one of the new Planeswalkers that they've, well, a new old Planeswalker, because it's a new card for the old Planeswalker, is uh, Garrick Primal Hunter. And the reason why I like this so much is because this is going to go uh, directly, I think, I'm pretty sure this is going to go into my Meat Sack deck, uh, <laughs> which uh, Robert, I don't, I haven't uh, explained this to you, but what it is is I take a uh, little Eldrazi tokens, uh, get them out, and then I'll sacrifice them to a fresh meat. So they're sacrificed into meat. Hooray, meat sack! It, it's a definitely a fit card, but it. I think what they're trying to do, and I, I believe this is correct, is it, you make the most powerful planeswalker the most restrictive. Yeah. So, like in this case, Garuk with being two and three green, it's very hard to have this as. And then splash in another color. You're either committing all green, or in your case, you're playing the tokens, which are colorless, to get to where you need to. And of course, it helps that it keeps humping out beast tokens yeah. along with the ability to do that. Yeah. So that, yeah, it it definitely fits. And that's and what I'm what I'm running for with that is also is it's uh, currently in my deck. I'm running Awakening Zones, and it doesn't seem to be fast enough. They're just kind of dead cards. But this card is a, it's a threat because I can put out a three three beast right away. Or since my deck also runs Mere Superiors which are the big 5-6 guys, for 5 casting costs, I can go 5 casting costs, uses a second ability, which is just a minus 3 for his loyalty, and uh, you draw as many cards as the highest power of creature you have. Oh yeah, you so, special boy over there with your little deck over there? Yeah, oh, so I play, yeah. I play it at turn 5 after I've played out one of those guys, and instantly, bloop, draw 5 more cards, and um, I keep on being good to go, so I think that might be a 4 of actually in my deck. Well, listen, have a good time while Chandra's Phoenix is kicking your ass. How about yeah, that? Yeah, huh? yeah, 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 right yeah. Right you didn't even pick that one. Yeah. Shut up, you. I don't even have to think, though. While you're trying to do the math of how much mana you have, Chandra's <laughs> Phoenix will be putting fire in your face. Exactly. So what are your three, uh, Mr. Big Talker? Well, I know Robert's going to be impressed with my lack of knowledge of the game once he, once he hears <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, just listen to oh, these come ones. come on now. Uh, so, uh, and again, don't forget, we're talking to Robert from Mana Screwed and Men of Magic, uh, part of a, a lot of great Magic the Gathering podcasts at mtgcast.com. And, you know, Robert, I, I, I took a look at this card, and it may have more of a limited use as opposed to a uh, a constructed use, and for folks that don't know, limited is when you get a pool of cards, everybody gets a pool of cards, it's random, but they can only play with the cards they're given, and constructed is when you get to basically buy whatever cards you want and make whatever deck you want, and, and you choose it, uh, as long as you obey the rules of what they have for making decks. Yep. Uh, here's a card I like, because I think it can be really, really aggravating, and maybe <laughs> even in constructed if you're playing white, and that is Angelic Destiny. I love a card that can keep coming back. Um, it reminds me of the old Rancor days uh, where, you know, oh, yeah. uh, that, that, was su- that card was such an aggravation. Now, this one costs more, but to give a creature plus four, plus four flying in first strike, uh, and when the creature dies, this card goes back to your hand. I like that card, and I don't know... I have a feeling it could be a one or two of in a white weenie deck, at least in a mirror match, where, you know, they're like, wow, what do I do about this? And especially if it can keep coming back. Uh, You talked about Rancor. Rancor is still, today, one of my favorite cards to play because 2-0 and Trample is amazing. 
And yeah. this thing gives it four forward flying, which is the same form of almost the same form of evasion as you get with two zero and trample. This thing obviously costs more, but it it'll be a lot of fun. I am curious to see where this will get played. Like you said, in limited, it's definitely something that'll be played. In standard, like you said, white weenie maybe. I'm not really sure where it's going to go, but it's interesting that they went back to the more enchantment feel instead of the equipment feel of this set, which is good because when a lot of people play in the beginning, it's easier to learn that you with enchantments than it actually is equipment because a lot of times when you think the creature dies, the equipment goes away too and they don't understand it goes back. This works a lot better. Yeah. I like that. My my number two on the list, uh, and and this rev will help you out uh, if in fact if you if your knight is gone and your knight pumper is gone. I love this card, the Adaptive Automaton, which is a three colorless artifact creature that um, that basically when he comes in, you choose a creature type, and then it basically becomes a lord. It it makes all other creatures of that type plus one plus one, and lords are usually that's what they do. There's usually a yeah. lord in every color, and this time we have an illusion lord we have a zombie lord and i think man there are some decks and I, I take a look at how goblins really like the king and i'm wondering would red be happy to have eight goblin kings in the deck as opposed mm-hmm. to four uh, and and I, and I again i wonder does adaptive automaton at least get brought in from the sideboard for mirror matches because it might just give you an edge over another guy's deck or does it see some play because it's so versatile because people are going to have it you know a, a good number of the same type of creature out there, and all of a sudden they get plus one, plus one. Uh, so I think the card is intriguing, and who knows, could be very useful. It has a lot of interesting um, themes, especially in uh, extend, uh, like the new overextended format where yeah. elves is played uh, and goblins. It has it has possibilities there, just because there isn't as much artifact hate in those sets. Uh, and right now we're coming out of an artifact set, which means there's a significant amount of uh, destruction against it. But it, it's definitely a lot of fun. I think anytime you can, like you said, double up on what you get, and it's still a body, it, it's a good thing. Because worse comes to worse, you get, you play it, you still swing with your troops, they all get the 1-1 one, one still. Yeah. A yeah. lot of them are restricted now, like you talk about, where it gives other, other elves plus 1 plus 1 or, you know, other goblins. This can make up for the fact that it's missing that one, so it gives that one elf... That giving everybody else plus one, it gives it plus one plus one. So it's it's a nice thing to do. Keeps them out of range for being killed too. So that's kind of nice. And finally, the card that Rev and I fought about forever. Jesus, and Christ, yeah. I have a feeling we haven't seen all of the cards that this card will be useful with. And you know, Wizards of the Coast likes to do that. They like to release a card. People go, "Why the hell would you want this card?" Remember when they released the Eldrazi land, and we're, and we, yeah. we're like, "What is that going to do?" Yeah. Uh, and then of course we said, "Oh, hey, look who's coming!" Yeah. Uh, what and, is this? So the the last card which. Which I do like in some ways. Sundial of the Infinite. I yeah. love this card, and uh, the reason I like it a lot is uh, again, I'm a I'm a red deck wins guy. I'm a guy that just goes, I'm going to put my creature down, and I want to kill you with it. Please don't stop me because <laughs> then then things are going to be bad for me. And my my dream scenario with Sundial of the Infinite, which is a two casting cost artifact, you you pay one and tap it, and you automatically end your turn, and you only get to do it once per turn. And once you do that... No, you can only do it during your turn. Right, your turn, right. Yeah. And uh, you're absolutely right. Only, only do this during your turn. And every spell that's on the stack at the time, whatever was supposed to happen, immediately just is gone, doesn't yep, happen. Gets exiled, goes Pretty away. Pretty much the turn is over. And 
what I the scenario I picked out, Robert, was this one, and, and then I'll take your comments on it. Is that if you're a, a guy that has creatures and you just want to attack, and the last, and you don't want your creatures to be killed, it's so great with this card where if you attack with a guy and, and you've already cast your creature on the, you, you cast a creature, you attack with your previous creature, and the guy goes, oh, your opponent's like, all right, well I'm going to doomblade him, I'm going to choke him, and you go, no, I'm going to end my turn. You wouldn't have damaged him anyway. They lose their card, and you still have your creature. Um, uh, this is what I love about it, because it's going to force these control decks to go, wow, we are probably going to have to do stuff during that guy's upkeep or during our own turn, which I love to be able to make them have to tap mana on their own turn. It fills that void. It also, like you said about that, it, it does things real quick, and it forces an opponent to make a decision about that card. Uh, if it comes out, how is it important enough to destroy it right away? It forces them to make a decision quicker than they want to. Like you said, the control player wants to take his time, wants to look at the situation and, and analyze and play it when they want to. This one says, you make the decision. You have to do it right now. Because if I have mana sitting up, like you said, you can tap it and kill it. It's interesting. I don't know if it's seen play. It'll see play, but it'll definitely be something that might be interesting in a sideboard to bring out in a game two or a game three against somebody because they won't expect it. Yeah, I love that. And and I wonder, do you, do you feel like there's going to be more for this card? It just seems like, wow, you know, the, very rarely do, do, does Wizards now release cards that don't really do well or don't make any sense. I mean, back in the early days, a lot of us would go, why did they print this card? This card has no use. And now it seems when they print a card that confuses us, it's probably because something else is coming where you go, oh. What you're hoping for then in that case is you're hoping that it doesn't see play. And you can pick them up on the cheap. Yeah. And then when the, when when Innistrad comes out, and all suddenly things go with this, you've now made a, a significant amount of money on it. It's going to be interesting to see where things go right away. I don't know how quickly prices will change. It all really depends, honestly, on the Star City Games events that come up, because a lot of times what they do will dictate a market share real quick. Yeah. But there's one other card I wanted to bring up, and only because it, it brings back memories of of back in the day when we used to be able to play creatures without having to pay for them, and that's Quicksilver Amulet. Ah, oh, yeah. And that's just... <laughs> the biggest uh, Timmy card ever. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's so nice. You can sit with that thing and... Oh look! I have this huge fat creature that's sitting in my hand that I can't pay for, but now I can bring him out for for just four and a tap. It's it's something that seems to be fun for this set, and that's one of the things that people remember. It's better that it's done through an artifact than slapped on, like the green creature as it's been in the past. Yeah, the elvish piper. Then you're not restricted. <laughs> yeah, you're not restricted anymore. It's like I can play it in, you know, a black deck or a white deck. It makes it a lot of fun. Definitely, it's a, it's a scary card in a ramp deck too. I mean, you see, yeah. if you see somebody pull, pulling out a lot of mana, and all of a sudden they get this out on turn three, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, here, here comes the bad times. <laughs> you know, and then and then on turn and then on turn four they go go. Then you're going okay. Oh, now they're just waiting to the end of my turn yeah. to be. Me. Okay, I'm going to come over with my Melanomar Elf. What are you going to do? Oh, just put the Primeval Titan into play, get a couple land, kill your Elf, kill your family, and then you're like, great, thanks for coming. Anytime you can pay four for something, it's a heck of a lot better than seven or eight. <laughs> Completely. Well, Robert, thanks a lot. Again, uh, Robert from Man of Screwed, Men of Magic. Uh, get all of those podcasts at mtgcast.com. Robert, thanks so much for uh, coming on, buddy. Really, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Take care, man.